0: Runners, G-Mark. Set. Hello and welcome to the show, everybody. This is Getting Over It, Musings of a Hurdle Coach. My name is Ben Bradley and I will be your host for this podcast. First, I just want to say thank you all to joining me and listening in. I really appreciate the fact that you're taking the time to turn this on and hear what I have to say. I really, truly appreciate it. We have coaches listening in, athletes of all ages, just some friends and some family. And so thank you all. I'm truly grateful that you're here listening to me right now and supporting me as I venture out into something rather new. Uh, I do have a fantasy football podcast that I do with some buddies of mine. So doing uh, more of a solo venture is kind of new for me. So I'm going to have to get used to kind of talking into the microphone by myself. And please bear with me, but I will get better at it as we go through each episode of getting over it uh, i will be having interviews as well so it's not always just going to be me but i do plan on interviewing athletes and coaches within the track and field space and that's coaches and athletes from grassroots youth programs up to high performance elite training groups olympians and just i because i really just want to highlight the people that are involved in the track and field sport the track and field world and everybody that comes together to to make it what it is and make it a truly special sport. And so that's what I am doing here that's why I have this podcast we're going to have different fun episodes where I do terrific tweet Tuesdays and highlight some coaches or just sport practitioners or just even you know people outside the sport that I follow but they've been putting out something that I feel everybody needs to hear. I want to highlight some tweets that I see from them, maybe bring more attention to get them more followers. So that should be a fun one that we'll do on Tuesdays. And then each week we'll do something a little bit different where I'll either be doing coaching X's and O's and we talk about technique, analysis, uh, sport performance and things of that nature We'll have interview episodes and a whole lot more. It's going to be fun to go through this. And I welcome you to please let me know how you feel I'm doing or what you would like to hear on the podcast. You can follow the podcast at Hurdler Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Our website is www.hurdlepod.com and our, or you can email us at Hurtlepodcast at gmail. So hurdle at hurdler podcast on Twitter and Instagram website is www.hurdlepod.com. And our email is hurdle at gmail.com. If you would like to follow me on social media, I am at coach Ben T F X C on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. So at coach Ben T F X C. And again, thank you all for listening. Truly appreciate it. I did title this podcast, Getting Over It Musings of a Hurdle Coach. And I know that implies it's specifically going to be hurdle focused, hurdle centered, but really we're going to be talking pretty broadly about track and field as a whole. I do enjoy the hurdles probably the most in the sport. I, that's what I've been coaching mainly for the last six years. And I, that's, The hurdles are my favorite event in the sport, but as a whole, track and field really is my passion, and that's where my drive lies, and I enjoy all of the events. So we will broadly discuss track and field. I will have hurdle-focused episodes as well, but I more so just wanted to bring more attention to the sport. I want to try and raise track and field to a new level, get it more into the mainstream, and just help promote it more as much as I possibly can. I want to broadcast some of the work that I'm doing, some of the education, coaching education, um, track and field education that I go through, and my experiences with working with athletes of all ages, and to connect with other like-minded individuals that are passionate about this sport like I am. So I titled this first episode, My Five Lessons, because I wanted to start things out by just introducing you all to who I am and my story in the sport of track and field and give you some of my backstory as to who I am and why I'm here now on a podcast and who it is you're listening to. So anyway, I titled it My Five Lessons because as I reflected back on my journey in this sport and growing a passion for coaching... There are really five lessons that stuck out to me, and these by no means are all the lessons that I've learned along the way, and some of these I'm still learning as I go through. But I am what many would still call a young coach, still in the early part of my coaching career, and I know there's probably a lot of young coaches and some just starting out right now that I feel could really benefit a lot from Hearing what I went through and the lessons that I've learned, athletes could benefit from the same thing here. So I just want to take you down memory lane for this first episode. The five lessons that I'm going to be discussing as I go down, go through my journey are, number one, kindness creates culture. Number two, follow your passion or follow your dreams. Three, it's about them. Four, hold on loosely and not just because it's a fantastic song. And number five, answer the door. So based on the way I worded those lessons, you can probably kind of guess what each one is about. But as we go through, I'll discuss uh, the lessons in detail and give you an idea of kind of the the main things that I like to base my coaching and the culture that I like to build within my programs around. So anyway, let's get into it. As you heard at the top of the episode when I introduced myself, I am Ben Bradley. I am currently the hurdle coach for Pendleton High School in Pendleton, Oregon, and the head coach for the cross-country program for Pendleton High School. I'm also the president and head coach of our nonprofit youth fundraising track program called the Roundup City Racers, which is athletes ages 5 to 12. And I have my own track club team that I run and operate in the off seasons called the rising Phoenix track club in which we've worked with athletes of all ages. We mainly have high school aged athletes, but I've worked with athletes anywhere from seven to 70 in that program. So I do a lot of track and field and cross country stuff here in Pendleton and really, really enjoy every second of doing that it's a great time i love being involved in all of it and i like being the go-to guy for both those sports in this town it's it's really something that's been an enjoyable uh, opportunity and experience for me it is my ultimate passion it's what i want to do for the rest of my life it's where i'm putting all of my focus and i it's something that I just know I'm meant to be doing. And so part of that ranges from these five lessons that I'm going to be discussing and the things that I've learned in my experiences in the sport. I've been involved in track and field since I was 9 years old as an athlete and it started out with just mainly just doing some road runs so I guess starting more of a cross country sort of background but mainly started with some little road runs and stuff when I was younger and I could just run forever. I could run for days and just not get tired. And then took that into middle school and ended up running mid-distance events and everything through middle school and then went into high school. And in high school, I can tell you that I was one of those athletes that is one of the biggest headaches for a coach. And I've had several of these athletes come through in my time, but I was definitely one of those athletes that gave Coach a major headache. I was pretty talented in track and field. I was by no means elite or even uh, NCAA D1 level athlete, anything like that, but I was pretty talented, pretty naturally gifted at different events, particularly the mid-distance Events, and so that's what I started out uh, by going into when I jumped into high school. And for my first two years, my freshman and sophomore years, I did not take it seriously whatsoever. I was just more into the social aspect of the sport. My friends were out there doing it, and I was one of those kids that would go out on a a long run. And dip off to the side, wait for the team to go by, and then me and my buddy would get back onto the road and run back, cutting our workout short. And little did I know how much that that actually only affected me. It didn't affect my coach. It did affect the team because that was not a good morale booster. But it really only hurt me, and I didn't realize it at the time. I was just having fun. I was just trying to be funny with my buddies and have a good time. But uh, little did I know how much that would change with a couple of things that happened to me in high school. I had coaches in the football program that were just not very kind. They were not very uh, warm to the athletes. They were The typical get out, you got to run, run, run. We're going to use running as a punishment. We're going to scream and yell at you. We're going to swear at you. If you screw something up, you're just you're done. You're benched for the day. Get off the field, things like that. And I quickly realized that that was not something that I responded to, whereas these coaches on the track team were the complete opposite of that. And there were two real defining moments for me that are actually sitting, they still sit at the center of where I come from as a coach right now, like to this day. And at the time, maybe I didn't realize just how much these two defining moments would impact me, but they impacted me for the rest of my life. It was freshman year and I was running a track workout and I did not have a very good pair of shoes to be running in. I think I was in some skateboarder vans, real flat, just not meant for running whatsoever. I was doing the workout in that. And I think I was probably screwing off, messing with my buddies, not paying much attention. And coach calls me over. One of our coaches calls me to the side and she says she doesn't say anything about me messing around. She doesn't say anything about me being a distraction. She doesn't reprimand me for just causing problems at practice. Instead, she asks, do you have any real running shoes? And at the time, I don't think I even realized that there were shoes that were meant for running and shoes that were meant for skateboarding, shoes that were meant for walking, things like that. I had no idea. So, she asked if I had any running shoes and I said, I've got shoes and I'm running. I don't know what you mean. And she said, no, do you have any real running shoes that are going to be better for you? So you're not going to get injured. And I said, well, no, this is, this is what I've got right now. And then she asked me what size shoe I wore. I told her. And then right there she goes, well, these will fit you. And she bends down, unties her shoes, takes them off of her own feet And hands them to me and says, you're going to be running in these the rest of the season because you're not going to get hurt. And I just kind of looked at her and looked at the shoes and a little flabbergasted and said, well, thank you. And I put the shoes on and I continued the rest of the workout without causing any problems whatsoever. I ran the workout hard. I finished it strong. And honestly, my feet felt great afterwards. And that right there was just a moment of kindness that brought me into the team and brought me into the workout and got me focused. And so that leads me into lesson number one, kindness creates culture. I talked about the football program and the coaches and how they treated the athletes there and that team Really did not do well that year. There was no buy-in whatsoever from the athletes. All of us were just grumbling and always complaining on the sidelines that we really weren't having very much fun. And then this coach in track, who I still coach with now to this day, actually, because I am coaching at my alma mater, was able to get me bought in to the program, at least for that time period just by simply giving me a pair of shoes to run in by not getting after me for being a distraction but instead seeing that I was running in something that could hurt me and she did something so that I wouldn't get hurt didn't yell at me for going half-assed in the workout and didn't yell at me for distracting those that were trying to work hard but instead just here, I don't want you to get hurt while you're running, so here are shoes, let's finish the workout. And I did. I bought in and I finished the workout strong. Another real defining moment for me came in my sophomore year because while I was more bought into the program, the practices, the team after that first moment, I moved away for a little bit in my sophomore year And that was a really difficult time for me. I started going down a bad path uh, in this new town that I was in. And then we ended up moving back to Pendleton before track season. And I decided I'm going to do track again because my friends are out there. It was a slow start to the season. I... Because of like transfer rules, I wasn't able to really start working with the team until later in the season. I didn't get to run much. I ran some mid distance races, ran 800s a few times, but they weren't as good as what I was doing my freshman year. And then at the end of the season, our sprint coach, who I ended up coaching with later on as well, he pulled me aside and just said, Hey, do you want to try a 400? I said, Well, Yeah, I guess it's shorter than an 800, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, shorter than an 800. I'm still trying to learn what everything is at this point. Like I said, I didn't pay much attention my first two years. And so he asked if I would be willing to run a 400 because he told me, I see some potential in you in that event and I think you can do something really special. So he put me in a 400 and I ran it, ran it hard and put down a pretty good time for a sophomore kid that had really never done just a 400 before. I think I'd done it on some uh, medley relays in middle school, but never had really run just an open 400 for a time at that point. And after I ran that, he said, he looked at me and was just like, yeah, we're going to be needing you to run 400s tomorrow. You're going to be a big key component to our team over the next two years. And, just boom instantly something just clicked within me that whoa okay I believed him the sincerity in which he told me that he believed I would be a big piece of our team's success over the next two years was something that woke me up and again it's that kindness creating culture him just taking the time To pull me aside and say, hey, I want to try something with you because I think we could do something special with you in this particular event. And then coming at me with the sincerity in which he truly believed in me made all the difference in the world. Over the next two years, my junior and senior season, I put everything onto the track that I possibly could for that coaching staff. I worked my rear end off. And ended up making it to state both those years. We had some really good times celebrating lots of, lots of the races, lots of big PRs and uh, relay wins and going to state. And those two coaches and those two defining moments are really what kind of pulled me away from a bad, bad path that I was on. And those were extremely important to me just because of the belief that they showed in me and the kindness that they showed me. And those weren't that big of a deal to me because of like bad parenting or anything. My parents have always been loving, super supportive and have always been a big key component of who I am as a person and my successes. But I think Just at that current time, especially for these younger kids when they're early in high school, that is such a point in time where it's important for them to hear something from somebody other than parents. And it can make or break what they do for the rest of their career in high school and sometimes even beyond. So... Kindness creates culture. Kindness creates buy-in. You're never going to unite a team. You're never going to get that wayward athlete that just refuses to be on the outside and not focus in and not give their best effort by shouting, yelling, punishing, reprimanding, and pushing them farther away, you need to try and find what it is that will bring them in, try and find that, that warmth that they can gather around to really develop that unified team culture that you need to have a successful athlete, have a, have a successful team. So kindness creates culture. And I have learned that time and time and time again over the next 10 years as I continued through my track and field journey. Now, going through my senior year, it was getting close to college time. I had no idea what I wanted to do, what I wanted to do for a career, what school I wanted to go to, or even if I would be able to compete in track and field at the next level. But these same coaches that gave me these two defining moments, these kindness creating culture moments, were still very much pushing me towards going to college, towards trying to compete. And they ended up reaching out to several schools for me, had college coaches contacting me, and then set up a coach to come and watch me at a big invitational meet. But the catch was I had to run an 800, which I hadn't run since my sophomore year because I had switched over to running 400s. And so it really, really excited me that this college coach was interested in me and wanted to come see what I had. And so I ended up running an 800 and off that 800, they offered me a scholarship to go run cross country and track at a small private uh, Christian university, NAIA division in Portland, Oregon. And I jumped at that chance. I was on it. And I ended up signing on to go run for this school and to go run for the coach, who really seemed like a genuine, kind person, was very interested in having me join the team. And then I went off to go run, call it, or to go run in college. I was doing cross-country for the first time. And then I would do track and field. There can be a bit of a sub-lesson somewhere in here that I would like to say would be ask questions know what you are getting yourself into before you get into it. Because I ended up going to this school and running for this coach, and he ended up not being the genuine kind sort of person that I had expected and was very overbearing, over controlling a lot of the time inside of our lives outside of track and field. And really pushed a lot of us through too much mileage too fast. I came from a low mileage, mid distance and sprint background in high school and never having run cross country to all of a sudden running cross country in college and getting up to 90 miles a week, way too quickly and ended up partially rupturing my Achilles because of it. And at the same time, I found out that this college at the end of the year was being shut down because the mother campus of the Portland campus here couldn't afford to fund the Portland campus anymore. And so there was this option to go run at the mother campus in Oklahoma. Uh, the coach that recruited me to this program ended up just leaving as soon as cross country season was over to go coach at a different school. And So we had an assistant coach take charge of the track and field program while we finished the year out. And anyway, we all had to figure out what we were going to do at the end of the year. So I was rehabbing a partially torn Achilles through most of track season, ended up being able to come back late in track season. And I actually ran pretty well for the coach that ended up taking that over, but I wish I had asked more questions rather than just jumping on the first person that wanted to sign me to a college and wanted to get me on their team. Because had I known um, what other, what former athletes would have told me about him and what they thought of his programs beforehand, I likely would have been looking elsewhere for college. And unfortunately, It was what it was, so if there's one thing I can say to pass down to to any athletes that may be listening to this, if you're planning on going to run for a college or a professional program or anything along those lines, is don't be afraid to ask questions. And that can be said for coaches as well, if you're going to try and get a job at a college or get a promotion somewhere, be sure to ask questions, make sure to look out for your own well-being, ask the people that have run for these coaches or worked for these administrators or, you know, whatever, ask them what they think about the administrator, what they think about the coach, what they think about the person in charge and how it will be for you when you get there so don't be afraid to ask questions that's a little sub lesson here so anyway this small college that i ended up running cross country and track for ended up shutting down i had to figure out where i wanted to go next i got really burned out on competing in cross country and track and field actually because of the because of the coach that i had had at this college that shut down and I was looking for places that I could have run and there I didn't look quickly enough or get enough interest in me out there, I guess you could say. So I decided to go down to Oregon State University uh, where a few of my roommates at this other college were going and I talked to the women's track and field coach down there to see if they would be starting a men's program at any point, and he said they were hoping to, but it didn't look likely, and they would keep an eye on me if they were to start a program up. And so I went down there knowing, well, I'm probably not going to compete this year for a while, and that was probably what I needed. I probably needed a break at that point, but... I also really missed it. When spring rolled around, I just thought, man, this, this is track time. I should be doing track. And so I was paying attention to what was going on with my old buddies in high school and what they were doing. And so I started to come up with a plan to compete for a club program and actually ended up starting my own club team called the Rising Phoenix Track Club Because I didn't want to compete unattached. I wanted to be part of a team. And so I I hatched that plan to do that. And I was going to try to start bringing other people into the fold on that. But before I really got that up and rolling, I was working at the Boys and Girls Club there in Corvallis. And they had a youth track program that needed a coach. There was athletes from ages 5 to 10 that they needed somebody to direct the program and act as the coach and set up meets and do all that. And so they'd heard that I had been in track and field for a long time. And they asked if I would be interested in running that. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Absolutely. And so that's where my coaching career and my passion for coaching began. I ended up running this program at the Boys and Girls Club for two years. And in that span of time, we grew the program by over 250% from the participation they had had before and we ended up uh, implementing new systems new result systems within the entire league down in that area and really just sort of revamped how they went about doing the whole track program within all the boys and girls clubs in that area so that was really fun that was a great time i had a blast just coaching those young kids and we worked in every event and at the time i really had no idea what i was doing particularly with the throws i'd done a little long jump in high school before so i thought i knew a little bit about that and uh yeah, that was that was just a really good time there and I was looking to try and get uh, promoted to being uh, an athletic uh, program director for the boys and girls club there, but then unfortunately while at Oregon State there ended up being a big problem with financial aid for me and there was a big to do about I had certain scholarships that were coming through, ones that weren't, and things like that. And so it was becoming a problem to afford continuing to go to school down there without some of these scholarships that I should have been getting. And then family problems at home and certain family members being away at the time, I felt I had to... Just get away I felt I had to come back home to Pendleton to kind of be with my family help them out and financially I needed to be back to help myself as well so I ended up coming back to Pendleton around 2012 and wanted to be here for them and to just kind of get my footing back under me and anyway, while back here, I got a, a good job and I worked my way up pretty quickly in this new job that I was working. And I actually ended up making really good money while I was doing this. I eventually started going back to school online and I was working a second job. And then I decided I want to I want to coach. I want to coach again. I really loved coaching at the Boys and Girls Club. And so I went back to my old alma mater pendleton high school and asked if i could just volunteer to coach and so i ended up being the volunteer um, assistant sprint coach for no pay and did that for two years um, for the high school and they really liked the energy that i brought they liked the the way that i was able to connect with the the athletes because i was younger at the time i was 22 and so I was able to relate with the athletes, and the athletes liked asking me about my, my experiences in college and things like that. And uh, eventually, in 2015, I was offered the paid position for coaching the hurdles. Now, I was not a hurdler at any point in my track and field career as an athlete. So what I ended up doing was just jumping in i had no idea that any of this stuff even existed so i jumped in to try and figure out like well how can i learn to do the hurdles and coach the hurdles really quickly they offered me this at the end of one season so i had a whole off season to try and figure this out and i got on and i found i started looking through on the internet just googling where can i find good hurdle stuff i found started with stuff on youtube and Kind of worked through there. I sent emails out to uh, some coaches that I had met through my uh, my my college time as an athlete, and they sent me a few resources to reach out to. And I ended up latching on to the website Complete Track and Field, uh, run by Latif Thomas. And there's a whole lot of coaches. Bushek Snyder is really involved in. Putting some uh, material out for them, and I found that there was a whole section that was based on hurdling, and I said this is perfect. So I ended up buying all of the material that I could there, and I just I racked my brain with it. I went through it, went through it, went through it. I went and got out on the track and taught myself how to three step the hurdles, how to get over the hurdle, and uh, did time trials and the hurdles on myself. And felt that I was like, okay, I'm ready to coach these now. And I fell in love with coaching education at this point. This was where I loved the idea of learning how to coach these things and then teaching myself to do it. And I couldn't get enough of it. So, I just continued to search for more and more and more coaching education. And then my first season as a hurdle coach came And at this point in time, I started to realize that I enjoy this so much, just learning about this and working with athletes, that this is something I feel like I really could do forever. And I was in this high position at this job that I had got when I moved back to town. I was making really good money, but it was extremely stressful and gave me A lot of anxiety that I felt was unnecessary. I felt I didn't need that in my life. I was losing sleep. I was working long, long hours at a place that I felt I wasn't really making a difference, but I knew in coaching and in teaching that I was making a good difference, that I was, that I was being a positive force for the athletes that I was working with. And so, one day, I decided, I'm done. I'm not going to do this this other job anymore. Like, it's it's too much stress on my life for something that isn't really important to me. And so, I left. I left and I didn't really have a plan, but I just knew that I had to get out. And I wanted to pursue the things that I had become passionate about. And so, I left that job and I looked online to see if there was any positions open within the school district, and I ended up finding one. And the day I applied, I got called in to interview, came in and interviewed, and within an hour after my interview, I got a phone call and they asked if I could start the next day. And so, the next day, I was in working in a, an assistant position at the high school, and all of a sudden, I had taken a significant pay cut to leave this job to come to work at the school. But within a week, I knew I had made the complete right decision because I was enjoying every second of working with the special needs students that I was working with in the high school, but then also having the time to kind of work on uh, my, coach- my coaching. So working on my plans for the athletes, working on my plans for the season, and then actually getting out right after school and then having the athletes there up on the track, it all just fit so perfectly and I knew that I had made the right choice. And so that was lesson number two, is to follow your passions and follow your dreams. I, I cannot stress enough that... Money is not worth your happiness. I was making a lot more money with what I was doing, but I was a lot less happy with where I was. And when I did that six years ago, people thought, I don't know, you might be making a bit of a mistake. But I can tell you, I have not once ever regret making that decision in the last six years. So it's important that you find a passion, you find a dream and you, you follow it, you work for it and you shoot for it. And again, this is just an ongoing lesson that I continue to learn throughout my time. And I'm sure, you know, I'm not the only one that's ever learned this before, but it is, it is a lesson that's truly important. And for those young coaches listening, for the athletes listening, really, this is, This is key. You find a passion and you you work for that because life is too short not to. It's too short to spend all this time stressing, worrying about, you know, a job that you feel like you're just being run ragged and you're not an important piece of. It's too short to not have something that drives you to fulfill what you think is your destiny or what you know is your destiny so get out and follow your passions follow your dreams so in that first year of coaching the hurdles I'd made all these big transitions I'd done all this education I felt like I was like top dog I felt like I all of a sudden was like the coach with the plan the coach that knew it all the coach that could You know, was going to just get these magic results out of the athletes that I started working with. And so, I went through my first year uh, coaching the hurdles. I had inherited uh, a girl that was in the 100-meter hurdles and 300-meter hurdles. She was already uh, top 10 all-time for Pendleton High School in the 100-meter hurdles. She was just outside top 10 in the 300-meter hurdles. And I was putting her through these training plans that I... I hadn't exactly figured out how to construct a good, full, like in season training plan yet. I was just working basically week to week, finding workouts online that I thought worked well, utilizing workouts that I had read in uh, some of the material from Complete Track and Field there. I'd gone and gotten my uh, level one USA Track and Field coaching certification. I believe that was after this year, actually. So I, I did that after this season. But I was doing all these plans. I was working her hard. I was working uh, her teammates really hard. And we actually ended up doing very well at the district competition. Um, we I think I rested her just enough just before districts, and we ended up getting a really good peek at districts where she was champion in both the 100-meter hurdles and 300-meter hurdles. And then we went into state week, and I remember giving her a plan of basically where we just weren't doing much at all in the state week, but she was one that really felt that she needed to work hard a few days before the meet, where she felt like she needed a hard workout to get her into the just into the groove for the week, get her into the groove going into the meet. So she felt that she needed like a hard workout a couple of days before. And she actually came and spoke to me about this because it was something she'd done with the hurdle coach prior. Um, We had done it for districts, but for some reason I was just thinking, no, we need to, we just need to do just real short, real fast stuff. Lots of rest. That's it. We're not going to do, Anything that's going to compromise your uh, your legs at state, and she she asked she asked so like a lot. She begged for me to give her like a hard workout on the Monday of state, the Tuesday of state. It was one of those days. I think it was the Tuesday of state, actually. And I said, no, 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 no. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. I've been, I've been studying all this. I've been reading all this. I, we're going to, we're going to rest you. We're going to peak you. It's going to be great. Just trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And this was my first year coaching an event group, you know, on my own. And at state, unfortunately, she just came out flat, didn't run her best and didn't do as well as we were all hoping. And I still, still kick myself about that to this day. That I need, I needed to listen to what she was saying as an athlete. And I needed to hear what she thought she needed going into the big meet. And unfortunately, I let my coaching ego take over and get in the way. So, lesson number three is, it's about them. And this is for you coaches, uh, administrators, bosses, all of you out there that are working in the development of people. It's about them. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what I need as a coach. It's not about me being the know-it-all and having done the research, but a lot of the time... It's about listening to them, what they need, and then working towards their specific needs. You need to coach around that athlete's personal strengths and weaknesses and not get sucked into just being on the cookie cutter plan. So we, we got to keep it about them. It's always got to be about them. It's not about the coach's ego. I felt like, nope, we're going to follow this plan. You're going to do this great thing. I'm going to prove that I did all this work to be a great coach because you're going to go and rock it at State. And because I didn't hear what she needed, we ended up not having the best performance that she could have had at State. And that was on me. So... Keep it about them, right? Lesson number three, it's about them. So after this season finished, I racked my brain about, well, what went wrong? What could we have done better? Uh, what did I do? And it it really didn't take me long to realize that, man, I, I should have listened more to her specifically and what she thought she needed. So in this offseason, after my first year coaching the hurdles, i started searching more for coaching education stuff again i wanted to really dive more into it i wanted to get better and i ended up finding the usa track and field level one school and i went down to denver colorado to do that and i learned from uh, jeremy fisher who is the head coach at chula vista olympic training center and larry judge who is really big in coaching education he's a Does a lot for the USA track and field coaching education programs there. Works with uh, Paralympians, Olympians in the throws. And uh, Matt Lightham, who wrote a book on specialization in coaching youth. And he usually coaches the level two youth specialization USA track and field programs. And that was a fantastic crew that I got to experience my first Uh, USA track and field coaching education school with and they really opened my eyes to a lot that I needed to hear and one of those things was coaching to the individual athlete and not necessarily sticking to what the science or the cookie cutter plan always says and so that was a great thing for me it uh, covered more of the progressions into peaking more of the writing an annual plan and then i it got to touch on all of the different events individually as well and so that was a really cool experience i got to connect with a lot of cool coaches in the weekend that we were there and i realized like man yeah this is this is special this is something i want to continue to do i want to jump into level two and at the time I was like, I was like ready. I was like, I want to go do the sprints, hurdles, relays, USA track and field level two stuff. Get that under my belt. I want to go into next season prepared. And unfortunately, you had to have level one for a certain amount of time before you could take level two at the time. And so I had to wait a little bit, but I learned a lot more. And then I continued to research on my own and I found stuff, more stuff through complete track and field. And then in that next off season, I Ended up taking my United States Track and Field and Cross Country Coaches Association uh, Event Specialist Certification in Sprints, Hurdles and Relays. And I got the USA Track and Field Level 2 in the Sprints, Hurdles and Relays. And got the Strength and Conditioning Specialist Certification from the USTFCCCA as well. And I really just felt invincible at this point. I structured everything Every little thing down to the last detail I had every single day planned. I had my annual plans written out well in advance. I had all the weeks planned. I had our volume, our intensities, all just structured to where we were going to peak just perfectly. And everything was written down. It was all planned out. And I quickly (laughs) learned going through... A full season of having everything completely structured and planned like that, all well in advance, was not exactly going to work. It was great to have a plan. It was great to have all of that laid out and prepared for me because I, you know, knew what this is what we're going to do. But that made it very difficult for me to make adjustments. I felt like, no, I've got this plan. I've got this roadmap. We've got to follow it. We've got to follow it. We've got to follow it. And so that lesson of learning that it being about them and individualizing more took me a little bit of time to learn. I tried to individualize for the athletes that I knew were returning, that I knew I've worked with them before. Um, so, I did try to individualize four of them with plans, with different variations of plans that I'd put out, but I kept things too tight, I kept things too strict and too stringent. We had to be out on the track at this time, we had to be done with warm-up at this time, we had to do activation drills up to this point, we had to do the main workout on the track over the hurdles. During this time afterwards, we had to do cool down and dynamic flexibility stuff. And then we had to go into the weight room and we had to do all these lifts at this specific intensity and this volume and be done at this time. And it ended up just being way, way, way too much uh, for the high school level. Right. And for younger athletes. I had everything super structured, but the problem with that was having young kids that were freshmen that had never even hurdled before that were coming in, and then I had the seniors that I had worked with the year prior and had an idea of what they could do and all this, and the plans didn't match up. The plan did not match up for each of them, and so I quickly had to learn to hold on loosely. And that's lesson number four. You've got to hold on loosely. You want to have a plan and you want to be structured, but you don't want to hold so tightly that you kill what the plan is meant to do. You want to you wanna have yourself a little bit of leeway in, okay, there may be a problem here or maybe somebody's hurting or you write backup plans where you've got your main plan that you're going to follow. But if somebody's hurt, we've got a backup plan that we're going to put them on. And if that one doesn't work, then we've got another backup plan to put them on. You've got to, you've got to hold on loosely and not be too tight because these kids, if especially when you're working with younger groups, they really thrive a lot on, being able to, to give some of their input, uh, to know that not everything is going to be just a strict, like, hey, drill sergeant, push you through what you've got to do today. They want to be able to kind of come in, goof around with their friends a little bit while they do the workout, have a good time, have some time to interact with you as the coach, and joke around and talk and things like that, and I just, I, for those first couple years after I did all of this coaching education and learning about planning, I really structured it way too much, and I needed to take more advantage of the training and conditioning classes that we had in school. I needed to connect with the teachers that were working there and give them the names of who our track and field athletes were, what I thought they needed, um when our big meets were and things like that throughout the season so that our track athletes that we put into the training and conditioning class, they could get their weightlifting in during that time and we wouldn't have to structure that or add that into practice time at the end of the day. When practices were going over three hours, I realized quickly that, okay, I need to loosen up a little bit. And that's a really important thing. That is actually very common from what I've heard from a lot of uh, older coaches and master coaches that when you first start out, when you first start learning these things, that's usually what happens is you'll really structure it. You'll really want to go buy the book on every little thing. And the more I've coached, the longer I've coached, the less I've really needed that structure because I've learned what works I've had it more ingrained into okay this is these are the dynamic drills that work for me here during this time of year this is the type of workouts that work for these athletes during this time Uh, and you just really start to realize that okay I just need a basic outline of what I'm going to do for the year and we need to follow along with that but I need to have plan A, B, C, D, and E all worked out because it's never going to go all the way according to plan, particularly when you write it just letter by letter, number by number, word by word, whatever, all the way through, because at some point it's going to derail and you're going to have to adjust. So give yourself a basic outline of what you want to accomplish, what you want to do for the year. And then work your way through that outline by giving yourself plenty of options on how to do that rather than just one method, one roadmap that you have to absolutely follow. And that's something that I've learned more and more. Each year I try to go and get in on different coaching education classes for different events. I have uh, re-upped my Track club, the Rising Phoenix Track Club, and got athletes bought in on that coming in on the off season, and so I've been working with athletes uh, in every event from pole vault to discus to javelin to hurdles to sprints to distance. I'm now the head coach for the cross country team at Pendleton High School, and so I've just been eating up all of this information that I can possibly get my hands on, and I want to go to the next level. I eventually want to take my coaching to the next level. I absolutely love working with the athletes that I get to work with. I love working at the high school that I work at now and I want to raise my game. I want to go coach at the collegiate level. I want to experience that. I want to coach a high performance training group because I want to experience that. I want to travel around and work at different track meets, work with different athletes of from of all ages really and that leads me to lesson number five and that's answer the door so one thing that I feel I need to do a better job of and I'm learning this lesson right now is taking advantage of opportunities when they're presented like I talked about with following your passion following your dreams you life is too short You can't just have an opportunity come knocking and then say, well, I don't think I'm quite ready. I don't think I'm quite there yet. You need to answer the door and you need to jump at the opportunity. If for me, for example, if coaching at the collegiate level is something that I really want to do, when I see an open position or when somebody offers me the chance to go and do that, I need to just do it because in the past I have seen the open position and I've thought, well, I don't think I'm quite ready. Well, I missed out on that opportunity. I did not answer the door when opportunity came knocking. And I am working on getting through that and I'm going to take advantage of the opportunities that come my way. And this podcast is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for me to express myself more. I'm a very quiet person. I always I'm one that sits back and observes and listens. And I I'm working on asking questions, because that was one of the, the sub-lessons here. I'm working on asking more questions, but I want to get better at taking advantage of opportunities. And so I'm putting myself out there with this. I really want to try and use this platform to uh, bring track and field a little bit more into the mainstream, just give us another avenue to get the happenings of the sport out to people that may not otherwise be paying attention to it. And I really appreciate everybody that's been here listening to this, and I hope I didn't blather on too terribly long about myself. I didn't ramble too much. Uh, this is, like I said, a new thing for me doing solo podcasts. And so I am going to improve upon this. Please feel free to leave me any sort of constructive criticism, feedback, anything that you would like so that I can work to make these episodes better for you. I want to bring value to this space I want to bring information that's going to be useful to all of you as listeners you can find me on social media at coachben tfxc and uh, you can find the podcast on twitter and instagram at hurdler podcast our website is www.hurdlepod.com or you can always email me at hurdlepodcast at gmail.com Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Welcome to the Hurdle Crew, and I will see you next time.